Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by Dogs fans for Dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, Barkage people. What's happening, everybody? Today is a great day. It is April 18th, which means it's the day after football returned to Athens. Saturday in Athens yesterday, G-Day was back. We'll get to that later, but just in the town of Athens, it was great to see a lot of red and black around and a lot of fans enjoying the town. So we're going to go with that to start off with for our coin toss. Yeah, man, for, for me, the day yesterday, Athens was kind of the star of the show. It was a beautiful day. Um, people were out and about early, milling around. Um, I, I think there were, like, a lot of formals and stuff this weekend, and a lot of the kids were taking, like, their graduation picks and stuff. So, it was, I don't know, it's just like a fest, festive atmosphere. Obviously, G-Day was a big deal, too. So you saw a lot of people, like, dressed up in jerseys and dressed up in their gear, a lot of families in town. Not a ton of on-campus tailgating, which is to be expected because it's still not been green lit yet. So campus was, you know, not how it normally is on a, a regular game weekend and in more normal times. But we did see some folks poke, posted up at like parking lots in and around Athens, kind of having a, a mini tailgate and whatnot. Yeah, so Athens was great. Uh, the bars were, were open. They had some pretty good crowds. Um, and yeah, it was just like a, a really good atmosphere, really festive day, really good start. I mean, the weather could not have been much better. Like we had on long sleeves and that was almost the wrong play. Like the stadium got a little warm, I thought, uh, but it was gorgeous. So uh, a great day in Athens. I think the Saturday in Athens six pack this week is pretty obvious because of G day. So we're going to hit on six topics from, uh, from G Day yesterday, uh, a lot of things to talk about. Um, and you know, when when Boss and I are taping the show, or when we're getting ready for the game, or whatever it may be, man, we're we're sometimes having ourselves a, a cold beverage. And there's there's a lot of different types of beers. There's our there's the tailgate beer. There's the on a boat beer. There's a at the ball game beer. There's the beer when Boss and I are taping. I'm gonna tell you, man. If we're gonna if we're gonna be having a beer while we're doing any of those things, Southern Brewing is is the one we want to have. I mean, I probably had three or four red and blacks yesterday. Beautiful little sour, perfect for the weather. Nice little sweetness to it. Felt like springtime, brother. I was I was living the dream. So if if we're gonna be popping some tops, that's Southern Brewing's the tops we want to be popping. So top number one, we're gonna talk about. I think. The, the standout story of the day with a bullet, with an asterisk, with everything you want to put on it was Adnay Mitchell. I mean, he was electric yesterday. And it was like from the jump, they were targeting him. And JT seemed really, really comfortable throwing him the football. And the biggest takeaway for me, one of the most valuable things I think George does as a receiver is he's a hands catcher. So he is able to snatch balls out, like just really confident catching the ball with his hands, not letting things get into his body, which I think makes him a weapon because of his body type and his ability to do that. And so that's obviously something we're not going to have with him being out. And so it was very interesting to see what was going to happen or how that could possibly be replaced. And 
I'm going to tell you, man, for a true freshman to come out and have a day like that was fantastic. And he looked very comfortable and he looked very confident. I mean, I thought the catch he made from JT down the left sideline before the half of the touchdown was excellent. Like JT threw an incredible ball, but he just picked it like hands out pick and made it look super simple. It was not an easy catch. And uh, he had another catch during the game where I think it was like a, like a little dig route and he caught it with both hands to keep it from hitting the ground. It was just a beautiful catch. And like, I was so, so encouraged, not necessarily because of the seven catchers or the hundred yards or, or whatever, because look, it's G day. So we don't really know what that means, but I think he is going to be a big time factor. Come fall. Well, like you said, I think the biggest thing here is that a lot of people are going to have huge expectations now for him because of his performance on G day, but who who's going to replace George and like I said a couple of weeks ago it's not going to come from one person his production is going to come from several people but with that being said his performance yesterday was extremely impressive and it gives hope that it's possible that his production a big chunk of that production could come from a true freshman which would take a lot of pressure off of um Jack uh, Rosemary Jackson and Blaylock who are coming back from you know season ending injuries now, we know that when they're healthy, they're going to get their reps and they're going to get their balls. But having another weapon like this just makes the receiving core that much more dangerous. It's so deep. The receiving core is so deep this season. There, there's not going to be enough balls to go around as it is. But adding another weapon, it just makes it that much more deep and that much more versatile. So, I mean, look look at Alabama last year. I mean, when Waddle went down, it just, you know, Devontae Smith took over and then Michi, and I can't remember who the third guy was, but he he they just plugged and played everybody. Just they kept plugging in somebody. It didn't matter who it was, rotating them in. And they all were they all were getting their catches. They all were getting touchdowns. They were all getting big chunk plays, big chunk yards. It didn't matter who it was. Um, so I, I think that that's – the monk and he's trying to do that, that you can plug and play. It doesn't matter who it is at what position that he wants that, you know, if you're the X receiver, I can have three guys go in there and you can run this route and you can get this ball and you can get, you know, 12 to 15 on this play every single time. It doesn't matter who you are. We didn't have that last year. So I think with a couple of the transfers um, out this year, we've gotten rid of some of those players who couldn't produce those type of plays. I'm not going to mention names because those players no longer with the program. It's not worth it. Um, those guys have gotten beat up enough over the past couple of years. But it's really promising when you have another true freshman come in who was, let's be honest, no one was really excited about coming in. Everybody was kind of like, this is an unheralded wide receiver class. We need to get big wide receivers in this recruiting class because of the people we brought in this last class. It, it's big for just a spring game and a big excitement going into the fall. Yeah. I, I just think that his body type is something that separates him from the rest of the receiving core. And I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but the size profile in the receiving core is very similar across the board. And he gives them a different look there. I, one thing that kind of stunk yesterday was I was really excited to see Justin Robinson too. And I think he had maybe a late injury uh, this week in practice or something. So he did not get any run yesterday. So we didn't get to see him. Um, but it's promising now that they may have two bigger bodied options. Because by all accounts, Justin's had a really, really good spring. Um, so the hope is that they're both able to kind of show out and flash and, and be great. But I'll tell you, that was the – that was the thing I left G-Day yesterday thinking, man, this is encouraging, and this is the thing I feel best about with the spring being over. So that'll be something to watch, I think, as they go through summer workouts and then get into fall practice and get ready for the season. Because, I mean, like you said, as that receiving core continues to get healthy, the depth's going to be great. Tell you who got a lot of playing time yesterday for, for the black team was Lad McConkey. He was returning some punts. He got a lot of targets yesterday. I mean, he looked good. He's real, real twitchy. So I'm kind of – you can tell they, they obviously like him because he's running with the twos, or I guess 
that, that's one thing I will say about yesterday. I don't think it was a true ones and twos because like Kendall and Darnell were on the black team offense. So like, I don't think anybody thinks Darnell Washington's not going to be the starting tight end. Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't, it wasn't true. I think they were trying to balance it out a little bit just to give some weapons and maybe have the opportunity to give guys some reps. So yeah, that was interesting. I, I was real encouraged because that was the first time I'd ever seen Lad get extensive playing time in person. So, um, yeah, he seems promising. The other thing, I, I think top number two has got to be the backup quarterback position. I mean, everybody and their mama knows that JT is going to take all the snaps um, if he's healthy, and he should, and he looked excellent yesterday. He looked very much in command. He had a great presence yesterday. Um my excitement about him and about the offense is only elevated after watching him yesterday. But the thing I was kind of tuned into was watching Stetson, watching Carson Beck, and watching Brock Vandegrift. And for me, out of the three of them, the one that I am hands down the most excited about is Brock Vandegrift. I mean, he has that natural swagger and that big-time presence and – you could just tell yesterday that the guys kind of gravitate towards him. The other thing that was interesting was he's been on campus, what, like three months? And, and he just looked really comfortable, like looked in control and looked like he would be perfectly fine hopping under center at the beginning of the season. Um, made some really great plays, really, really impressed with what he could do with his legs, getting outside the pocket, making some nice throws. He had a couple scrambles yesterday that were great. So – I've told you this, but I will be shocked if September 4th he is not QB2. I just think he's going to play him, play his way into that spot. I just don't think they're going to have any choice. And look, man, that, that's not to take anything away from Carson. I thought he had a just fine game yesterday. You could tell in the first half or first quarter at least. He did better as the half went on. But first quarter he was a little bit amped up. And I don't know, he just he, – he looked real off. He missed – some throws did Arian Smith had he was behind the defense all day yesterday and Carson just couldn't hit him to save his life like it was he missed him three or four times <laughs> so look and some of that's probably just he's, he's amped up he hasn't played in a live game in a while so I get all that but uh I thought Brock was really impressive and to, to Carson's credit he came out in the second half and I thought he was much calmer and played much better and their offense inherently moved a lot better uh, because of that. And same thing with Stetson. I thought Stetson played fine. We know who Stetson is, and he played a Stetson game. He had a couple great throws. He had a throw to Karras on the left sideline that was just a beautiful, beautiful ball that set up, I think, Kendall's touchdown, which was the first touchdown of the game. I think that's right. So, yeah, but the limitations that he has that we're all aware of, they showed. There was a couple of times it was dialed up to go deep and he just, he just couldn't make the throw. It was short. I'm pretty sure one of them got picked off and another one should have gotten picked off. And he just didn't have the arm behind it. So um, Stetson's just, he's reliable. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know what it's going to be. But again, I, I just think from a talent perspective and a gravitas perspective, if Brock Vandegrift does not end up being QB two for the 2021 Georgia Bulldog football team, I will be shocked. I mean, let's be honest. Brock's a dude. I Brock, you know, five-star recruit. Everyone knows his pedigree. The only reason that he is not going to be QB2 September 4th is because they don't want to throw him into the fire against Clemson. September 11th would not be shocked if he's QB2, but they may not want to throw him into the fire against Clemson. And that's only assuming that JT gets hurt. I fully expect JT to take every single rep against Clemson. Um, and this is only if he JT were to get hurt against Clemson that he might be that someone else might get reps. And for that specific reason, there's a possibility that Stetson might be QB to that game just because of what you said. We know what we have with him in that type of that, that type of setting that, that he's has the live game reps against big competition. He's not going to do anything spectacular, but I mean, look at the Alabama game. We talked about it extensively. He didn't lose us that game. A lot of fans want to throw him under the bus because he threw three interceptions, but those three interceptions, we went in depth on each one of those interceptions 
one of them, yes, was his fault. The other two were not. So I'm not going to bring up the past, but we know what we get with Stetson in big games. We know what we get with Stetson in non-big games. So we know what we have with him. With Brock, we know what the talent is, but first game of the season under the lights, we could very well have what you were talking about with Carson in uh, Ejide. So we don't know what that is with a true freshman. I mean, I, I think he'll be 19 when the season starts, you know, first game of the season. We just don't know what Brock will be at that point. So I would not be surprised if Stetson is QB2 September 4th. September 11th, I fully expect it to be Brock and Brock the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think there's some merit to that for sure. I just think from an eye test perspective, and they have to be seen it every day in practice, I think, number one, Brock's grasp of the offense is only going to get better as the months progress and he gets more comfortable and, and kind of gets some more familiarity. And he's going to have the opportunity this summer to do work with the wide receiver core, all that stuff. I also think dude, he's a coach's kid, you know, so – I think his capacity to thrive in situations like that is probably higher than maybe a normal true freshman recruit. And and look, maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I just think that it was, it was noticeable that he is, I mean, like you said, he is a freaking dude like, and dogs fans are going to be real, real happy that he's wearing red and black. Let's just put it that way. So Yeah. I also want to say I also want to say that I'm not saying that my opinion is that Stetson will be QB two. It's that I won't be surprised if Stetson is QB two September fourth. Yeah. So I want to make that perfectly clear. I, I don't. I honestly, it. I hope that Brock is QB two September fourth. I just I would not be shocked knowing Kirby and his statement last year after every single game. You know, I'm thinking about winning this game and his statement. I mean, he said that every single game when they were always asking about JT, you know, and JT coming back from the injury and stuff like that, I'm thinking about winning against, you know, Kentucky or Alabama or whoever it was, you know, I'm thinking about winning this game, what I have to do to win this game. I would not be surprised if Stetson's QB two for Clemson. So that's my opinion on that just because of that game. But I mean, with the way this, with the way the, uh, spring went and you know, like you said Brock's going to continue to get um, a further grasp of the offense and just continue to develop so I mean it's very possible that Brock is going to be QB2 September 4th and I, I fully expected Brock to have a lot of playing time this year well and you know in a lot of ways man we're splitting hairs on this because I will say this I thought all four of them did really good things yesterday and so from the perspective of looking at it as a full quarterback room, I, I don't I don't know that I've felt this good about a Georgia quarterback room. I don't know, man. Maybe since like 02, 03, 04 when you had David and DJ at the same time. Like there's just a lot of talent in that quarterback room. And, and that's fantastic. I mean, that's what you want. So I think that's all good. For popping top number three, I think, man. We, we got to talk about the tight ends. Like, the game that Darnell Washington had yesterday, um, the flashes that we saw to Brock Bowers yesterday, boy, there are going to be some weapons for whoever is playing quarterback to utilize at the tight end position. I mean, Darnell is going to be an absolute game changer. Like, he – number one, he looks like he's even – filled out more than from last year. And he just seemed more comfortable. He was coming out of breaks better. He looked really comfortable where he was supposed to be on the field. Like it was just, it was a different animal. So I think that between the two of those guys and like, I don't even remember Fitz getting, getting a throw yesterday, but man, that tight end room is loaded too. Like, I don't know. Did Darnell, I, I'll tell you a story. I took a picture of him yesterday because I was going to post it to social media in an effort to try and exhibit what a large American he is. And the picture didn't even come close to doing it justice. I was like, I, I can't even post this because it'll, it just, it, it will not exhibit what an absolute teenage mutant Ninja Turtle he is like. 
he is an absolute mutant. And <laughs> I don't know, dude, like, I don't know how you're going to guard him. I really don't. Like, I don't know. I don't know who in America can cover that guy. Like, dude, he made a catch on the right side. That catch he made on the right sideline yesterday. And he just rumbles all the way down the right sideline to set up a touchdown. Like, bodies were just falling off of him like paperweights. I mean, and then in the middle of the field, he's just massive. Like, I don't, he ended up, what, yesterday, what do you have, seven or eight catches? Is that what he ended up with? Something like that? Seven, maybe? He had, like, 80-some yards. I don't know. I can't remember. But he was great. And, and they – and – you know, he's an impressive looking kid too. Like if Darnell wasn't there, you'd probably look at Brock and go, man, Brock, big body guy, like good looking kid, you know, going to be real athletic. <laughs> Beside Darnell, man, Brock looks like me, you know, like just small. It's just, I mean, I was so fired up watching that whole group yesterday. So yeah, it, 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 the tight ends are, are ready to roll. And I think Munkin is going to utilize them a lot. I mean, they're complete mismatches. The tight ends are complete mismatches. So from, I mean, Darnell, obviously from just size perspective, but he's fast, but Brock, everybody keeps talking about, he's not a 2.0. I personally think he's more athletic than Nada. He looks more, spelt's not the right word. He's, he's more twitchy yes. than Nada. He's yep. quicker. He's not, doesn't necessarily have the top end speed. Nada and him never, He's he's like that. He's not an esque in that aspect, but yeah. he's he's more maneuverable around people than Nada was. I feel like. Yeah, that's a really great point. He is much twitchier than Nada was. Uh, that was noticeable yesterday. He he comes in and out of his routes really really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was impressed with him. I, I think I think he is going to see more playing time come fall than at least I, I, I expected. I, I wasn't even envisioning him having to not burn a red shirt this year, you know, but I think he's going to force his way onto the field. Uh, he's, he was impressive. So dude, I just can't tell you though, man, like Darnell, he, he is just huge, huge. And, you know, we were at the cocktail party and we saw Kyle Pitts up close and like everybody talks about Kyle Pitts being a freak and stuff. He makes Kyle Pitts just look like, you know, normal everyday guy that you see at Target. You know, like, I mean, he is an absolute specimen, and I think he is going to have a monster year. Size-wise, you know, he kind of reminds me of, and he may be bigger, but, dude, he kind of reminds me of Leonard Pope. He's way more agile than Leonard was, but Leonard was also a grown-ass man. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the – the parallel that, that I was thinking yesterday, but the flip side of, I think he's more, I think he's more agile. I think he's, I think his body is a little more chiseled. So yeah, I, he's going to have a big year. Let's just put it that way. All right. Pop, let's pop top number four. I want to talk about the usage of the running backs yesterday uh, in the offensive system. You know, if you look at the stat sheet, you'll see that all the running backs had X amount of carries and that they were all around 38, 39 yards. And, man, it felt like all we were doing yesterday was flinging a rock around the yard. And I don't mean like we're throwing, like, digs and outs and posts and all this stuff trying to hit receivers and tight ends. Dude, they were using the running backs at, like, the short passing game as a quasi-running game with Zeus and with James and with Kendall. And – we all know who James is, and he looked great yesterday. He caught a wheel route that was beautiful, and I think he is going to burn so many people on that. He burned Nolan on it, and Nolan came over the sideline and was so irritated. He dropped like 10 F-bombs in a row right on our sideline. So, I mean, James is going to do that to a lot of people. He's going to have a lot of linebackers in the SEC dropping F-bombs this fall. So, be ready for that. But what was exciting to me was it was the first time we had seen – Zeus utilized multiple times out of the backfield as a receiver and he looked excellent. He was, did a great job catching the football, did a great job making something happen in space. And I think he's gotten a little slimmer. I mean, he looked shifty yesterday. And I don't know that we can necessarily say that over his first few years in the program. Would you? 
Well, I think he might be fully healthy. Two ACL injuries. I know that, you know, you come back from a lot quicker, but with running backs and wide receivers, it takes a little bit longer to come back fully than it does an offensive lineman, a quarterback. For someone who has to run a lot, it takes a little bit longer to come back fully healthy when you have to cut a lot. So I think he might be what he was in high school before he had the first ACL injury. Cause I mean, basically he had two full years where he was rehabbing ACL injuries and then he had last season. So we might be seeing what we expect this year might be the first year we're seeing what we expected Zeus to be when coming out of high school, his senior year. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. You know, I hadn't really thought about that just cause he was, he was obviously healthy all year last year and he's been healthy so far through, uh, spring tracks and everything. So that's something I hadn't really thought about, but that's a, that's a great point. You know, he may just feel comfortable in his body again. Uh, Cause I'm sure, man, just mentally, you're probably tepid because of the injury and you just don't know, can I move as violently as I did before and make these kind of cuts and stuff. But yesterday to, to me, he, he looked, he looked exciting. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to track going forward because what, JT threw it 41 times and Carson threw it, I don't know, 30, 30 sometimes. So obviously, man, the premise is going to be to sling the football around. And I think we all know that I'm totally cool with that. And I think using, utilizing the running backs the way they did yesterday to kind of essentially create a running game with the short passing game, it could really do wonders, especially given the composition of that running back room. Little pivot off that. Kendall Milton has done his work in the offseason. Let's just put it that way. He looked imposing on the sidelines yesterday. Like, it, I kept saying yesterday, I was like, he looks like baby girly. Like, he looks just ready to annihilate people. And that should make dogs fans just beyond excited because I thought he was excellent last year what he's done with his body and another year in the offense, Dude, Kendall could have a monster season. I'm extremely excited for Kendall. My honest opinion is, is that Kendall could probably be RB one in probably 11 of the 14, maybe even 12 of the 14 um, SEC programs. And let's be honest, if, if Zeus and James didn't come back, he clearly was RB one. And all last season, every time he touched the ball, it was just so exciting. He reminded me a lot. You, you said he looks like Gurley. To me, he remind, the way he runs reminds me so much of, of Nick Chubb. Yeah. The way he runs reminds me just – it's like a bowling ball. Like he, his, his running style, it's just like he just kind of bounces off of people and or people yep. bounce off of him. He, his lower body, like hip down, is just so strong. He reminds me so much of Nick Chubb, the way he runs, and I'm – I'm extremely excited for the season for him, even though his the, their carries are obviously going to be split. But I mean, even getting catches out of the backfield, like just anytime he touches the ball, like I'm excited for for him. I mean, and also, I mean, he's he's a great kid too, like great family, great kid. Like I'm really excited to see what he does in the offense this year. So let's pop top number five. I want to talk about the let's say the defensive backfield as a whole. Because obviously that's a big storyline going into the fall is how they're going to replace both corners and, you know, how the, how the back end of the defensive secondary is going to hold up with Chris Smith stepping in for Richard's account, Lewis Seen coming back with more experience. Um, for me, I, I thought they had a pretty good day. Um, you could tell, at least it looked like to us, that the game plan – was kind of like a real game. Like Munkin was game planning like he was playing Georgia's defense. And so they were not taking a ton of deep shots where you'd have to sit back in the pocket and wait. They were trying to utilize like short intermediate passing to keep Georgia's defense off on its toes. And I thought the defensive secondary did a nice job. I thought Amir Speed had a couple of good plays. You know, Demetrius quote-unquote beat him for the big touchdown at the end of the game, but they kind of clipped feet and fell down. But there was multiple routes, including that one, where Amir was stride for stride with the guy he was covering. So I thought he had a good day. Um, he he showed himself well. Um, 
I didn't really notice Jalen Kimber, which I think in some ways is a good thing, right? I think anonymity at the corner cornerback position is, is good because it means, hey, he's not getting roasted. So you're not going, man, he got beat again or, or whatever. So I thought he equipped himself great. And then on the red defense, we got to see some run out of uh, Nyland Green and Keely Ringo. And I thought they both looked awesome. Um, Keely Ringo is an imposing figure on the sidelines. And he – he had a hit yesterday against Lad McConkie, and I think for three or four plays, Lad didn't know where he was. I mean, he just is the guy that is not only going to cover, it's going to cut. So I actually felt pretty good about how the defensive secondary showed yesterday. And if anything, I feel more optimistic about their chances to play really well in the fall after seeing him yesterday. Now, again, super small sample size, but I think if you walked away from that game yesterday going, oh, man, I'm super worried about the secondary, I really don't I don't know what game you were watching. Well, I think you're starting – I mean, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um, it might have even been when Tyreek uh, transferred. I can't remember. But I think your starting corners to start September 4th are, unfortunately, two freshmen. It's – not maybe not unfortunately, but you know what I mean. Like mentally, unfortunately, as a fan, are Keely Ringo and Nyla yeah. Green. So, not your yeah. ideal situation going against Clemson, but super talented, you know, players. Keely, he's a grown ass man. <laughs> There's really no way to put it. Yep. His he was grown yep. when he came in as a true freshman, and he has just gotten bigger. He looks amazing. Nyla Green, yep. he just has it. I don't really know what else to say about him. Like I've been super impressed by everything I've read about him with his off, what he's done in spring ball. And then yesterday it's kind of, he made a couple of great plays, but then other than that, you really didn't really notice him, which is awesome as a quarterback. You know, he just did, he did his job to, to your point about Amir speed. You know, this is, a, he's a, he's a senior. So I'm not sure if he's a redshirt senior or not, but fourth, fifth year in the program, this is a maker. This is a money year for him. And I thought he looked really good. I thought what he did, he did his job even other than the D-Rob touchdown. I mean, he couldn't have been in a better position. Like, it wasn't like he got like, – they said he got, quote-unquote, beat, but he wasn't burnt. Like, he was right there. Um, and D-Rob is one of the fastest players on the team. D-Rob is, you know – I mean, this season, everyone runs a 4-2 something. So, who knows what – he probably would run a 4-1 at this – you know, he was running a, um, at Pro Day this year. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm if, if speed has to come in, I'm I'm confident in speed's ability to do that. And really, where I, where I'm most nervous is is what's really going to happen at the star position. So that's really because that's I still feel like that's really in flux because I mean, we really don't know. Like Brittany had the great Peach Bowl, but is is that you know was that a one hit wonder? Was that what? Who is going to be the star for, throughout the season? I think that that position is going to be in flux. You know, for the first couple of games. Yeah, and, and that. That's one from yesterday that wasn't, I didn't think, super evident. Um, just not something that really flashed or stuck out one way or the other. So, yeah, that, that's a story to watch for sure because that's obviously a big piece of Georgia's defensive scheme is that star, and you've got to have a guy who can do both, come up and hit somebody in the mouth, but also cover when they have to. So figuring out who that's going to be is going to be interesting, especially given the fact that the secondary is young already. So in theory, you could have three, three guys with a lot of youth and inexperience playing in the defensive backfield. So yeah, that, that's a big story to watch. Um, <clears throat> for uh, let's pop top number six. I, I want to talk about the, the the front seven of the defense, just because I thought they were as advertised yesterday. Um, they looked fast. They were violent. Uh, popping people in the mouth and I, I thought they changed the dynamic for both offenses and I, I mean that from black defense and from the red defense they both flashed a lot and made a lot of plays and that too deep is whew, I mean I, I feel like every program in the country has got to be envious of that too deep in the front seven because they are loaded and I mean dude Nakobe didn't even play yesterday so I thought Quay Walker had a great game, and he looked excellent. 
Like he's in phenomenal shape. He was flying all over the field. I think he was team leader in tackles yesterday. Um, I checked the stat sheet on that, but I'm pretty sure he was. I mean, it was pretty evident. He was noticeable yesterday. Um, D-line depth was noticeable too. Like, and it wasn't even the guys you would think. Like, you know, Devontae Wyatt had a great game. Um, Zelo had a great game. I mean, Bill Norton had a nice game. There was just a lot of different guys that were playing very, very well. And from a depth perspective, especially at that position, you've got to love that because you can roll those guys in and out and not really miss a beat. So, man, I, I was excited about the defense last year, clearly. I talked about it as much as possible. But I may be more excited for this year's defense after seeing what I saw yesterday. I mean, the front seven athletically probably – I think is more athletic than last year. I mean, I know a lot of the same players are there, but if you look at just from an athletic standpoint, depth-wise, the development that they've had in the program – they've the depth is much more athletic than it was last year. The depth wasn't as athletic as yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm I'm not articulating this very well, Um, but I feel like, no, I I think, I think they're way rangier this year than they were last year. I think they had limitations and I think those limitations were exposed against Alabama and Florida. I mean, mean, they were even, they were, they were even exposed when Jordan Davis went down. I I feel like that, yeah, that was a big thing. Like true. against Kentucky, look look what happened against Kentucky. Like, yeah. They just started running straight up the gut. I mean, they didn't score but three points, but they just were able to control the clock and run the ball at will. So yeah, um, that, that just we couldn't stop them when Jordan Davis went down because we didn't have the as you put ranginess of we didn't have the athleticism to to just to keep up with it. Um, so I feel like that that's just the development in the program, just in the weight room, you know, from fr- the, in the freshmen that are now redshirt freshmen or sophomores this year is huge. So, I mean, the, the front seven usually never concerns me, but this I'm excited this year. I'm never really excited about the front seven. There's always that potential, but it's like, I always just assume that they're going to do their job and that Kirby's always going to kind of hold the reins back a little bit. Last year, I expected them to let the let him let let him loose on the reins because of our you know secondary being so experienced. But he still didn't let them loose. And this year, I just I expect them to do their job. But I expect you know if he lets the reins loose, they're going to wreak havoc. And I don't use that term like because of Kirby likes that term. I mean, I expect them to go just nuts because they're so freakishly athletic up front. Yeah. I mean, like it always is, it's going to be about health, right? If they can stay healthy across that 2D, and I'm not saying everybody, nobody gets injured the whole year, but if they can stay relatively healthy and keep those guys rolling in and out, I think they have an opportunity to be real special. And I think Nicobe is going to have a monster year because I just think he's at the point where he has fully stepped into and embraced his role as the leader of the defense. And I, I just think they're all going to follow his lead. And that that's a good thing for everybody involved. I'll also say this. I don't mean to flip back to the defensive secondary, but dude, Lewis seen, he might be all American this year. I'm going to say that right now. Like he looks so comfortable, so fast, just not thinking, reacting and making plays. And, you know, it's not like they were like light people up yesterday, but he popped a few people yesterday and it was like stand up at your seat hit. You know what I'm saying? Like I, he is going to be a big time difference maker for that defense. And I think when you have a guy like that, it 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 sort of takes a little bit of the pressure. I think when each level has a guy, it allows each level to feel less pressure. So if you go straight up the middle of that defense and you got Jordan, Nicobe, and Lewis. I just think as a unit, it's almost like having a great catcher, a great shortstop, and a great center fielder in baseball, right? Like if you're good up the middle, everything else kind of gels and falls into place. And you could see that yesterday on defense, that they just seem like they are playing well as a unit and that they like each other. And I don't know. I, I felt really, really good and really, really optimistic walking out of the stadium yesterday about 
the defense and how they played. And they were just fast and violent, man. And if they can be that way all fall, we are in for, I think, a magical fall. So, because look, we've talked about this a lot. After the Clemson game, which can we talk about this a little bit? Did you see the thing this week on Twitter with ESPN's like FBI coming out and saying Georgia's like eighth best team in the country? Seven. And, seven. Yeah. And seven. They're, pro- they're projected to win nine games, go nine and three. Who, what three games are they losing? I'll, all right. I'll give you one. I'll give you the Clemson one. I'm fine with that. If you want to, if FBI wants to say Clemson's going to win that game, all right. That's fine. I won't argue a ton with you about that. I do think Georgia's going to win, but I'll give you that. But so who, who are the other two? Are they then saying that they're losing to Florida? And then who's the other one? Auburn? Come on. I've I mean, got nothing. I haven't there's there's no shot they're losing three games. No shot. I mean, unless the wheels fall off and there's a ton of injuries. Unless this is 14 or what was it? No, 13 all over. 13. Yeah. Well, that that doesn't even count though. Like these projections are based off them having all of their players. Full, yeah, I know. That's what makes no sense. Like I, I don't know. I don't even know. I mean, the FBI to me is like the the um the quarterback rating in the NFL. Like, I don't even understand how it's calculated. And I'm a, and I'm a math guy. Like I like math. I, I look at the quarterback rating and how they try to calculate this stuff. And I'm like, it doesn't make any damn sense. The QBR I get, cause that, that understands that actually there's some logic behind it, but I look at the FPI and it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it, it's, it's like looking at like NCAA, like in Madden ratings, like the ratings and like how your team is calculated, like how they come up with these ratings. It's all, it's all human opinion and they try to put it a math behind it, but it's all human opinion. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I, I just, and what I, Iowa state was four, right? Yeah. Iowa state was four. Oh, I mean, yeah, whatever. All right. I mean, look, none of that shit matters, right? Like, if they're going to – And I think Oklahoma Oklahoma was really low, too. Was like – Oklahoma wasn't even in the top ten. They were, like, in the 20s, I think, or something ridiculous like that. Oklahoma, I want to say it was, like, 21 or 22. Like, it was – they were really low. Like, there well, was another I'll, team that was supposed to be in the top ten that was, like, in the 20s. I think it was Oklahoma. I will say this. All in all, it was a super fun day between the hedges yesterday. The playing surface looked magnificent. Um, you know, UGA turf guys do a phenomenal job, and it looked awesome. And stadium looked beautiful. They still had all the seat backs up from when they had all the COVID protocols in the fall. So I thought it looked great. Scoreboard looked awesome. A um, lot of people, very festive and happy, you know, dressed to the nines. It, it, was, a, it was a really fun day, really fun. It was one of those things where you kind of like, we like milled around in the stadium after the game. Like we walked down to the um, cemetery for all the different Uggas and uh, just kind of milled around and all the players. Well, not all, but there was a lot of players weaving in and out of there because the families were kind of hanging there in the corner. And it was cool to see the kids with their family and interacting with some of the kids that had been there for the game. And um, it was cool, man. One of the cool things was we were walking back or walking out the stadium and we saw Adnan Mitchell with his family and he was still in his full uniform and his family was like taking pictures of him and he was like flexing and they were all laughing. It was like a really cool moment just cause you could tell they were all happy and excited. And I don't know. That was like a joyful thing to kind of get to see that piece of it too. So yeah, it was a, it was a good day, joyful day and the dogs won. Right. So yeah. it's, it's <laughs> never, it was, it was, it was a win-win all day. Um, well, hey, I, I, I know I threw in a bonus topic today, but I felt like there was a lot to talk about. So we're still going to do our sixer. And the sixer this week is, it, you know, we road trip a lot to go to games. And inherent in road tripping to the games, you've got to make some gas station stops to get you your gas station snacks. So I need to know what your six gas station snacks are when you're going on your dog's football road trip. All right. Or now- I, guess I, I guess I shouldn't. I shouldn't limited to snacks it could be the rules are it could be any item within the four walls of the convenience store yeah okay that, that i was gonna say that's a caveat because one of these is definitely not a snack so <laughs> all right so as usual for me top two easy next four 
change will change throughout this probably this conversation. Number <laughs> one, I gotta have. I will buy a four pack of Monster. So to, it, depending on well, no, let me phrase that. I will buy Monster, the white sugar free ultra monster that's my go-to and i depending on how long the road trip is my my go-to is usually a four pack because you you know i'm in virginia so usually i'm going to athens that's about an eight to ten hour drive depending on traffic so um but depending on where i'm going if i'm going on a shorter trip depending on where they're playing you know most of the time it's around eight hours so i'm going with a four pack um my next one is dramamine that's my number two every single time because believe it or not I get motion sickness even when I am driving. So <laughs> if it's a road trip over like more than like two or three hours, I have to take Dramamine. It is awful. I get terrible motion sickness. So next one uh, is pretty easy for me. Gallon of water. Like I, I drink a lot of water and it, surprisingly, I don't take a lot of pit stops. So maybe usually one throughout the whole trip. Um, and usually that's whenever I get stopped to fill up. Um then gotta have some chips. So my go-to is usually the uh, the Fritos flavor twists, their barbecue flavor twists. Those are my go-to for my chips. And then because I don't like the sugar in my Monster, gotta have some sugar. So I like the the Airhead bites, not the like long Airheads, but the bites that they have out now. Back in the day, I used to actually get like big old packs of Airheads. And, you know, munch on those while I was going. And the last one is you got to have something, you know, like self substance while you're doing it. So depending on where it is, it's got to be like, you know, a hot dog or, you know, a slice of pizza or whatever, depending on what is at the gas station. So I really don't have like, you know, something of substance, you know, because I, I don't know what it is that is going to be there at the, that particular gas station that I'm stopping at it. 7-Eleven going to get a big bite or whatever it is. So something of substance is what I'm going with for my sixth one. All right. That's a good list. And that is a fair representation of the things that you get. I can speak from personal experience on that. So that's an A-plus list. My list is pretty set to, I would say four of mine are pretty set and the other two are kind of what I'm in the mood for when I walk in the store. But the first two are never going to change. First off, I'm getting the tallest water that they have available because if it's going to be a Georgia football road trip, then I'm going to take part in some adult libations throughout the weekend. So I need to hydrate myself as best as possible so that I can make it through. <laughs> Uh, the second thing is I will get as large a box of Mike and Ike's as they have in the store. Um, <laughs> for me, it, it is my favorite candy of all time. And it's, there's no close second. Like I am definitely a fruity candy guy. Like, I, I, look, I'm not going, I'm not going to kick chocolate out of bed or anything, but I mean, it's, I will take a fruity candy hundred times out of a hundred over chocolate. So and Mike and Ike's for me is the king on that. My kids know if we go into a place that says Mike and Ike's, dad's buying Mike and Ike's. Like, that's just, that's just a life rule. I can't say no to that. So, so that's on the list. I also love peanuts. And I can't go in a convenience store and not get, like, one of those, you know what I mean, the, the long peanut holders where you, like, tear the edge off and you kind of eat it while you drive. So yeah. I, get, I get a packet of those for sure. And then I need to get me like a medium sized bag of munchies because I don't know if there's a greater salty snack mix concoction ever created um, than, than munchies. munchies. About those. those are good. Yeah, man. And like when you, when you catch that Cheeto, so those two are kind of region dependent. You know, I, I, I could eat potato chips till I was blue in the face, but I like specific kinds. So, I really, really, really like kettle cooked chips. So if they got some kettle cooked chips, I'm all over that. More importantly, if they have any type of chip that has Old Bay flavoring on it, I will buy the largest bag that they have. Like I put Old Bay on everything. I put Old Bay on my Old Bay and putting Old Bay on a potato chip. Whoever did that for the first time. They should get a medal. I mean, that's just, that's the Lord's work they were doing, putting Old Bay on a potato chip. And I'm so thankful for that idea. So that would be on my list. And then, man, 
the last one. So let's just say some kind of potato chip like that, right? Because I, I probably would just get some type of chip. And then the last one's kind of hit or miss because sometimes if I need a little extra protein, maybe I'll get me a pack of peanut M&Ms, like big time peanut M&M guy. So I go with that. Or if I made the colossal mistake of leaving my house without packing some form of headache reliever like Tylenol or Advil, I will make the executive decision to be an adult and get like a packet of Advil or a packet of Tylenol because I will will undoubtedly need it at some point in the weekend. (laughs) And that should tell everyone listening how old I am. That is a fair point and a fair representation of you. Just a very accurate representation of you, especially the the Mike and Ike, the munchies. I would probably have a a different list on the way back from the game. So maybe we'll do that list for another day. Because I I think that's a whole other sixer. I don't know if I get the same thing. No, that's just water. I think you would get most of your list would probably be the same, right? Or would you from the road trip down? Um, I wouldn't get any sugary stuff on the way back. No, no, probably not any sugary stuff at all, and probably not much of substance. I get just munchies on the stuff on the way back, just you know, snack stuff on the way back, and and monster and water. Because, like, homie, on the way back, I would 100% get either a Dr. Pepper or a cheer wine. Like, that would happen because I'm done to my body. Kind of get me through the drive home. So, I need a little jolt there. So, I would definitely get like a Dr. Pepper or a cheer wine on the way back for sure. And maybe something else. It would depend what kind of night it was Saturday night. <laughs> That would definitely parlay into it. Cause I can assure you on the drive back from Jacksonville this year, I didn't get anything. Chris went in the convenience store. He's like, I'm going to get some stuff you wanted. I was like, whatever you get will not stay in my body long enough for it to be worth the spend. <laughs> All right, dude. So I forgot to tell you about our mama's boy trip. Like I, I, told my brother i'm like look man i'm gonna take care of breakfast so i went out and got my jitter joe's coffee which is how i start every game day and it was delicious little attack the day to start start things off and i called in takeout for mama's boy and like it happens every time i i just i can't just order like a regular one thing like one thing per person there was like 12 things on the menu that i wanted to get and so i ordered i got biscuits and gravy I got the pulled pork hash. I got a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. I got a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. And the girl I'm ordering from is like, is that going to be it? And I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot. I'm going to need a cinnamon bun, too. And she's like, you guys having a big, big breakfast this morning? I was like, no, it's just two of us. (laughs) She just, like, starts laughing. So we spread all that out. And I mean, we went to town on that and it was the best base layer ever for the day. So I don't know, man, I'm going to be thinking about them biscuits all week. When we go back in June, that is going to be the probably my first stop because June is going to be my sister's first time in Athens. So it's going to be one of those things where I'm trying to hit like as many of the spots as possible so she can get a pretty full experience. Also, dude, we went to Chuck's Fish House last night. And had an excellent dinner. I mean, had phenomenal service, had great food. Like, we had a really, really good time. Um, Some of the best gumbo that I've ever had. And, dude, we got focaccia as one of the appetizers. World-class focaccia. Like, it was fantastic. So, that was, we had a great time. So, big thanks to Mama's Boy and a big thanks to Chuck's Fish for being such um just awesome places we're trying to you know it's a cool part about the smart 16 is we've folks have given us some pretty impassioned testimonies about their favorite places to eat in Athens so we just try to hit all of them every time we go back and man, they never disappoint so yeah they were both great 
What uh, what on that list piques your piques your interest the most, boss? Which one of those breakfast selections? I know you're a big breakfast guy. Everything. I yeah. Pretty much everything. I I I would. I would literally probably sit there for three hours and tr- probably try to eat it all. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big biscuit guy, so I probably want to get some biscuits and gravy. Um, so start there. Um, definitely want to try the the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Um, not a big cinnamon bun guy, so I'd probably pass on that. Uh, but now I would probably want to get like you guys did, like a, a smorgasbord of stuff and just kind of go to town on it. Yep. I'm gonna tell you, man, that pulled pork hash was sneaky, sneaky, the best thing we had, like comes with two, two poached eggs on top. Man, Ooh. it was, Ooh. it was, it was just right. Like, I mean, it was just right. Oh, but, yeah, it was cool. Too. It was, it was real, real good. We went to we went to uh, we went to Cutter's Pub yesterday. I had a good time there, and uh, yeah, man, it was just it was cool. Um, we got Little Italy Friday night. It's like, dude, I, I called it in from Augusta on the highway. I was like, we'll be there to pick it up at eleven thirty. <laughs> and dude, it was so good. We got pepperoni, banana peppers, and oh god, we can do a whole podcast about Egan and Athens. To be honest with oh. you, like. Every time I go back, I'm like, there's a place I missed that in my brain. I was like, oh, I really wanted to go. And so it's just tough because you get it's generally when we go, it's just like weekend trips. There's only so many places I can eat. And I try to cram as much in as possible without making myself sick. (laughs) But yeah, it was awesome. One last note and then I'll we'll wrap things up. But uh, one thing I did want to talk to you about, Jake Camarda kicked a bunch of field goals yesterday. Really? Homie. Okay. He has a hammer for a leg. Like he was kicking it. And I think he only made one of the ones he kicked, maybe. But I'm just we're just talking about pure force and distance. He kicked one from like I don't know, man. It probably would have been good from 63. Like it was an absolute boomer. And then at the end, closer to the end, they had a field goal attempt and Kirby told the referees to throw a flag to back him up five yards to make the field goal longer just to see if he could make it. And like, homie, he almost did. It was like a 58, uh, 58 or 59 yarder, I think. And I mean, he had enough leg for it. It was just wide left. No, I know he kicked, he kicked field goals in high school. That's, that's, that's impressive. So, I mean, I know he's got a howitzer for a leg. I mean, oh, yeah. I'd be shocked if he's not kicking on Sundays. I really would. Yeah. So, I mean, just just think about how much he's developed in his career. Cause I remember when he was a freshman, we were just like, every time we went back to punt, it was an adventure. We're just like, oh, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be, is it going to be a touchback? Is it going to land on the two or is it going to be a shank? Like, there was really no in between. (laughs) It was one of the three. So, I'm going to tell you too, man, he punted magnificently yesterday like sky high just beautiful punts like a lot of distance i mean he could be a real weapon i think kirby said in the post game the reason they were having him do it was i think that i thought he said maybe zirkel was a little bit injured so that was part of it but he said the other piece of it is i think i read this in seth emerson's article today this morning kirby said something like uh if they're able to take Jake as the backup kicker, it allows them an extra roster spot to take a positional guy, right? Because they only get the 70 travel roster. So if you can just so take the punter and the circle. kicker and still have a backup kicker, yeah. That way they save a spot and have a guy who could be depth at another position. So I mean, that makes Jack sense. Hurt. Yeah, it's good roster management. Yeah, so – but yeah, dude, it was kind of fun. It became like fun. Like we were watching it. It was like, oh man, let's see how far he's gonna boom this. Because he came up for the first one, and we were just like, oh, Jake's gonna kick the field goal, whatever. And then he hit it, and we kind of both looked at each other like, holy hellfire. Like that was <laughs> a blast. So yeah, that was uh that was kind of a fun thing to watch. But well, that's all I got today, homie. You got anything else? No, man. G Day's great time of year. It's great to have it back, man. I missed it last year. Yeah, you and me both, brother. Well, 
We are we are now officially on the countdown to September fourth. Dogs, tigers in Queen City. So we will uh, we will be waiting with bated breath. So go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.